passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And hello, everybody. It is Friday, June the 10th. Uh, and no, I am not redoing this a second time because I forgot to hit go live the first time around. <laughs> but my name is Waiting, and I'm here to lead today's post-daily news. John Pollock will be back to meet with me tonight uh, for Rewind of SmackDown. It's a regular start time for AEW Rampage tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. So John and I will be back at 11 p.m patrons of the post wrestling cafe live as well as in archive form if you choose to listen to the show maybe on saturday morning but uh we will be talking about tonight's wwe smackdown and AEW rampage cards a little bit later but joining me to talk about all of the news as well as uh, some of the other shows coming up this weekend bruce lord welcome back bruce oh thanks for having me back way i was saying just before we got started i kind of feel like i'm in the the andrade joker spot uh you know from this past wednesday just not anybody that was on anybody's mind but just oh sure fine that's that's inoffensive i suppose we can we can roll with this yeah and i think much like andrade me but you know everybody pleasantly happy to see you i would say wanting you to perhaps go over in the end um and maybe you know you are you you are the you are the the casino battle royal uh winner in all of our hearts for being here today so thank you bruce very much uh we have uh, quite a bit of news to get to and maybe let's just get started here because our first story of the day comes to us from uh page six who uh, have an exclusive stating that wwe boss vince mcmahon has been shopping around a memoir now uh this is something that i guess is relatively uh, unknown um and it, they are saying that it is essentially a memoir about building the WWE. And what's also interesting is that there is another book that's coming out later on uh, in 2023 called Ringmaster that is uh, said to be unaffiliated with Vince McMahon. Um, and it almost feels like this is his way of 
uh, you know, as usual from Vince, um, trying to capture the narrative on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes, of course, along with, you know, several other projects dealing with Vince McMahon that are set to release in the coming uh, months and years. So, uh, Bruce, like, you know, what, what do you think about all this? Are you interested in a book about Vince? And what do you think about, like, the man himself being a lot more public with uh, his career and life at this point? Well, I, excuse me, I think you yourself just kind of, you know, pointed out what's really at work here is that there is obviously this deep, long-standing fascination with what exactly happens, uh, you know, in that man's head, uh, including, you know, from writers, commentators, uh, and, and wrestling critics and journalists who I think are, you know, quite critical uh, of at least some of the recent history uh, of, you know, Vince's, Vince as a booker and, and things like that. Uh, you know, John has been saying for years, you know, yes, obviously, dream interview, dream interview for anybody. Um, you know, given that, I, I think that it makes sense from a WWE perspective to sort of try to get out ahead of uh, any attempt to, you know, pr- present or portray Vince in anything other than, uh, you know, the positive glowing, the light, the, the man who made wrestling mainstream, the most successful wrestling promoter uh, of all time. Uh, so, you know, there's a certain number of people, I'm sure, for whom a, you know, WWE authorized, theoretically, you know, presumably ghostwritten, but, you know, uh, signed off by Vince accounting of his own life uh, is going to be really interesting and kind of give a, oh, right, sure, fine, I, I, I have a sense of where all of these things fit. Obviously, we are not going to be getting, you know, the full and unvarnished truth uh, in that sort of account. You know, I don't think we're going to get uh, Vince's own memories of, you know, going to the police department to deal with the Snooka situation or anything like that uh, in a WWE-sponsored book. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll do somewhat well for them, but obviously the cynical part in me uh, is not going to be looking for uh, any sort of hard-hitting insight there. I think I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was, if it was Alex Greenfield or somebody uh, once opined that uh, there already is a really good Vince McMahon biopic out and it's There Will Be Blood. So, uh, you know, uh, make of that what you will. Succession is a great TV show based, mm-hmm. uh, based on him <laughs> as well. Uh, just a little bit about the other book uh, that's uh, set to be released about him, the unauthorized one. It is by Abraham Reisman, who uh, was also responsible for the Stan Lee book that recently uh, came out here to, I think, some pretty good reviews here. True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stanley is the name of that one. Um, so, I mean, I think, Bruce, at least, you know, between the two, uh, I'm sure we'll, you know, there'll be ple- we'll be reading both of them. Um, between the two, we may get just that much more of a clear understanding of who this person is. Um, I find it fascinating that, like, you know, through through the years, I feel Vince has been so guarded about doing interviews, even appearing, like, you know, at the Hall of Fame and wanting people to speak about him at the Hall of Fame. To now, uh, it's seemingly we're going to get, you know, a real strong abundance of Mm -hmm. stories either from the man himself or about the man. So uh, he will be a topic of discussion. Does it give you any indication of like, you know, what is this guy like looking to wrap up his career now? Like, what, what, what do you think? I mean, there's, you know, Brandon and a couple of other people have, you know, intimated that the. Uh, the real big, uh, you know, shift away from the theoretical succession plan that seemed to be in place uh, has made some, you know, people who are real close observers of it, maybe a little, give it, having them give a little bit more credulity to the idea of an actual sale, uh, you know, happening uh, at this point, in which case you sort of can see why there would be perhaps an interest in Vince sort of, you know, you know, cleaning his hands off, putting kind of the final period on his career and then sort of uh, retiring if he chooses to do so. Now, again, that seems to run so contrary 
uh, to everything that he has always said in the past about, you know, I want to be like the poison pill in some buyout. You know, I want to be the bone sticking in the craw of a dinosaur or whatever strange analogy it was that he, you, you know, used. I want to have this entity like taken away from me, kicking and screaming and pride from my cold, dead hands. Whether or not he's changed his mind about that in the last 10 or so years is a really interesting question. And this could be, you know, as much of an outward sign uh, of that sort of change in thinking as we are likely to get. I'm just going to keep nodding my head as if I understand what credulity actually means. But thank you. Thank you very much, Bruce. And thank you to all of you guys who are uh, currently sending in super chats. Of course, we, uh, if you're watching us live, you have the ability to ask a question or uh, just simply state a comment uh, if you want to support the Post Daily News. So uh, that is available for all you guys. Our next story is a little bit of an update on Cody Rhodes, everybody's uh, favorite uh, subject, it seems, this week. Uh, this comes to us from Brandy who says the doctor just repaired Cody's pectoral tendon, which was torn completely off the bone. Successful surgery. He is on the road to recovery now. So, uh, you know, um, I mean, pretty much right from the source here, uh, uh, from, from Barony Rhodes. And um, we haven't really had a, a chance to maybe get some of your thoughts yet, Bruce, on the whole Cody Rhodes uh, match, as well as the entire situation. And also, how do you think they'll be handling these sort of updates going forward? I mean, I think being upfront about it and, you know, uh, having it's it's obviously a question that's going to be on everyone's mind. And, you know, uh, as you know, you guys yourself were talking about, you know, look, none of us except for Alex are doctors uh, and are not necessarily, you know, qualified to be able to, to speculate as to what sort of a time frame we might be looking at here. Um, but, you know, for, for better or for worse, that, you know, really awful injury lent itself to this, you know, kind of career defining moment that that Cody was able to enjoy and obviously you know please understand that I'm not trying to say oh you can't call you know you cannot call something like this a blessing in disguise but given that it's happened it is an opportunity now you know uh and obviously I'm sure that Cody is just heartbroken you know that this happened just as his big main roster you know run was finally taking off um you know uh, there's an opportunity here to uh, make him an absolutely like face of the franchise level star uh, when he comes back from this. And look, I am somebody who is as critical as anyone of the way that the WWE handles its booking of pretty much all of its talent, save for, you know, your Brock and your Roman. And that's kind of really it uh, over, over the past few years. But up until now, I think they've done a very good job uh, with Cody. Uh, and if they can keep that up and launch him straight into the main event, whenever he comes back, there's a lot to be done here. Obviously, you know, um, Roman and Rock is a, you know, a match that you obviously as a one-off is fantastic and exciting. And it's been in the works for God coming up on, feels like it's been 10 years at this point that we there's been speculation about this. Um, so obviously you have to, if you can get that to work with, uh, with Dwayne's schedule and everything, obviously you make that happen, but that's a temporary stopgap, right? That's, you know, a one month or a two month, you know, build or, or program there with Cody and Cody versus Roman, you have the opportunity to actually have two equally credible, uh, equally charismatic, you know, stars who are comfortable working within the confines and the structure and the style that the WWE wants in its main events. Uh, and that's not something that comes along every day, right? We've seen how often, you know, the, the, their own system is unable to produce uh, a, t a talent of this sort. Uh, so, yeah, again, you know, I, I don't want to 
sound like I'm just sort of saying, oh, this could be the best thing for Cody Rhodes' career. Obviously, it sucks. It's super physically painful, I'm sure. It's got to be horribly depressing for him. But if they don't screw this up, there's a lot of money to be made here. Certainly. Absolutely. And, you know, again, it will be interesting to see if they try to keep his name alive up there. We know he is a man who is far more talented than just what what he's able to offer in the ring. Um, Do they, you know, when when he's at least a bit more healthier, do they bring him back onto the road for him to possibly do commentary? Do we get more of these updates? Do we get a Mm -hmm. some semblance of a of a reality show, uh, perhaps documenting, you know, his path? Um, What do they do to keep his name alive out there? Or is this enough? You know, like he went out in such an incredibly strong way. Um, you can make the argument that not doing anything uh, from now until mm-hmm. p- potentially January is is really all you need to do. Just, you know, sign the contract with with you two and, and just, you know, get those videos ready. And it's you're already <laughs> set. Right. But um, it, it I have to say, you know, like you said, Bruce, there is never a good time for somebody to be injured. The pain that the man must have gone through and is going through and will go through. Um, is almost un- unimaginable, you know, especially looking at the way that that injury looked. But if you're going to get injured, um, the fact that it was um, the type of injury that still allowed him to be cleared to perform, and I know that's been debated, but I I've heard enough like uh, you know opinions from actual doctors now for me to feel comfortable that like in a professional wrestling cooperative context that was fine. Like, I'm not going to say necessarily it was safe. There was risk, but um, I don't think it was as egregious as maybe, you know, some of us are thinking the fact that, you know, um, it's the main event in the hell in a cell. And the fact that the recovery time, you know, is is uh, at least expected, according to previous uh, instances of of these uh, fully torn pecs to line up perfectly with your path to WrestleMania. I I mean, in, in many ways, like they can definitely turn this negative into a major positive for, for all of them. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. That is the latest on Cody Rhodes here. Uh, but that's not the only injury and surgery update that we have to a WWE roster member because Bruce Pritchard, everybody, is also heading for surgery. This comes to us from uh, the Something to Wrestle With podcast as well as a transcript, thanks thanks to uh, Wrestling News. So Bruce Pritchard is going to get surgery for his torn rotator cuff. On the latest Something to Wrestle With podcast, WWE exec Bruce Pritchard described his injury that will require to get surgery. I have a torn rotator cuff. The plan is to get it fixed next Wednesday. Six-month rehab. I had colitis, changed my diet, started working out, started getting healthy and started feeling good. Um, but my shoulder was bugging me. So I was going in for treatments for my shoulder. Then one day I look in the mirror and my entire right arm is just black and blue. I mean, the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. I'm like, what is this? It didn't hurt. As a matter of fact, my shoulder pain had gone away. So I went to the doctor and said, Hey, what the hell is this bruising from? They looked at it and said, you tore your bicep clean off the bone from the shoulder. I'm like, well, how the hell did I do that? I mean, I did nothing that I could say. Oh, wow. Boy, I heard a pop or I felt that nothing like that. So uh, evidently, he feels great. He's been getting into shape. He's feeling stronger than ever. Uh, but he will be going in for surgery just to kind of take care of uh, some pain that has gotten more and more intense, it seems, and is not going away. So, of course, we wish uh, Bruce Pritchard all the best in his recovery. Um, do you expect any and, and this to have any impact in perhaps, you know, his day to day? 
I, I mean, I, I can't really necessarily see it, it being a big deal apart from the actual, you know, surgery and, you know, maybe a couple of days on the couch uh, after that. Uh, you know, as, as somebody who has dealt with rotator cuff, as a Bruce, I suppose, who has also dealt with rotator cuff injuries yes. uh, in the past, certainly nothing that severe. Uh, you know, yeah, they suck. They're, they're often kind of, it's, it's often kind of chronic pain. And to be frank, it often comes, he's mentioning they're working out. It often comes because you're kind of overextending yourself, you know, when you're like having a really good time lifting and everything and you just you push it a little bit far and you don't even notice that you're doing it so yeah no absolutely all the best to him vince while you're signing that contract for youtube make sure you get a second track ready for bruce pritchard <laughs> and his comeback story okay uh, this is our second biggest baby face poss- possibly in the works here aew dynamite this week aew topped cable amongst the nba uh, against the nba fi- finals on abc so despite nba competition uh, Dynamite drew 939,000 viewers with a 0.34 in the 18 to 49 demo. The demo was lower than usual, but uh, we have uh, ultimately, I think what, what matters probably to Turner the most is uh, whether or not Dynamite is topping cable. And yes, it looks like they did uh, with that 0.34. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics and Showbuzz Daily for that information. Uh, so this week, you know, same, Casino Battle Royal, John Moxley versus the winner, uh, no MJF, and mm. didn't necessarily seem like it was needed at least to beat the competition. Um, yeah, any any thoughts on Dynamite? I I mean, you know, from uh, tracking what you know, you and John were speculating about, uh, you know, Brandon's thoughts about this, you know, Voices of Wrestling, pretty much everybody I track who you know, I, I trust with regards to to ratings talk was sort of anticipating that this would be kind of a blowout week for them that they just pretty much get crushed by the by the nba game and obviously i think the the drop in the demo you know is indicative of probably the nba audience so so there's a little bit of that but this has to be viewed uh, as kind of a pleasant surprise i would think um you know you have no punk you have no danielson i don't think anybody was expecting uh mjf so yeah you've got the moxley thing announced so I'm wondering if this was just interest in sort of the, you know, the chaos and the uncertainty that the punk situation uh, had created, right? You know, where, you know, we were all talking, you know, on Friday about just like how confusing and how seemingly contradictory the announcement of what was going to be happening on Wednesday actually was. So I think there might have been at least just some sort of like, what what exactly is going on here? What will this look like? Wait, is is Moxley wrestling tonight, or is that at you know like there were there were so many kind of questions that I'm wondering if that was sort of uh, just kind of the, almost the not quite a car crash, but sort of uh, just the chaos and confusion uh, created by the title situation was maybe what kept people tuning in. Uh, so we will keep an eye, of course, on uh, the uh, NBA Finals as they head into Game Four coming up. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the shows coming up this weekend, Bruce, because uh, our first, I would say maybe the biggest show that's coming up this week is the latest iteration of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion. And uh, this happens, sorry if I could just get this damn thing to load. Uh, June 12th, uh, sorry, will be, uh, uh, will be, uh, uh, yes, uh, in so- Osaka Joe Hall, sorry everybody, on, po- on uh, New Japan World, uh, the headlining bout for the evening is Jay White taking on Kazuchika Okada for the uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Um, what's your interest level, uh, Bruce, you know, for, for the match itself and also for the card in general? Um, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I view myself as somebody who's probably a little bit higher on uh, Jay White than the average, you know, kind of uh, North American New Japan viewer. I really like him as a, you know, this this reactive, you know, cunning, defensive uh, style of wrestler. And I find, you know, uh, that he sort of um, produces uh, matches that are maybe a little bit different from what the uh, the main event uh, New Japan house style uh, often looks like. And I always enjoy uh, his matches with Okada. Um, I was looking forward to this match. It wasn't the biggest match, you know, that you could possibly make in New Japan right now. Um, I have no idea, obviously, if um, Adam Page's callout of Okada on Wednesday was specifically planned, you know, like make sure you call out Okada, or if that was just sort of him going off book and the Cole thing was just sort of a save. But man, that did sort of let, you know, a little bit of the window out of the sails of, of this main event. I, you know, I don't think any of us were really ready to, you know, put money on white uh, to walk away with this. Uh, and now that seems even less likely, right? Heading, you know, heading into uh, Forbidden Door, the appeal of this, and we've seen this, you know, when New Japan has booked North American shows, North American audiences who enjoy New Japan want to see, you know, New Japan originals. We want to see Okada. Tanahashi is a megastar whenever uh, he performs in North America. You know, having been to a couple of North American New Japan shows, the pops and reactions that, you know, your Ishis, your Godos, everybody uh, gets is such that, look, I, you know, as much as Jay White is a, you know, New Japan original and, and went through the Young Lion system and everything, there's still that prestige that comes with being, you know, the sort of star uh, that you only see, you know, on New Japan shows. Um, so, you know, it, it should be a decent uh, match, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, I think we all we can all sort of see where this is going. Um, there are some interesting question marks uh, on the rest of the card uh, as well that, you know, uh, have me, I think, tuning into it. Uh, you know, I, as it happens, uh, I've got a whole bunch of midterm marking and I kind of have the house to myself this weekend. So I might actually just drink a bunch of coffee, stay up late uh, and actually watch this one live. Uh, see if see if the dog minds that or not. But yeah, I think I'm going to try to try to stay up with this one. On the rest of the card, we have uh, the co-main event, or, or semi-main event, I should say, is, is for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. And this is taking place between uh, Juice Robinson, the current champion, taking on Sonata, the former champion who had to relinquish, and Will Ospreay, who uh, challenged, but I don't believe got pinned. Now, this one is particularly interesting because New Japan just released a video last night uh, where Juice was teasing that he would not be able to make the defense due to his recovery from appendicitis. In this video, he also claims that he was currently in the U.S. 
but it was done very much in under his Bullet Club character. Um, he was saying how, you know, these two should, uh, what is it, Sonata and, and Osprey should just basically fight for nothing. Um, and then eventually he'll, he'll, he will fight one of the two. I don't know if this is storyline or, or not. I mean, the fact that New Japan would just simply put this out there and not update their cards and not make an announcement beforehand if they knew that this talent was not available seems to suggest to me that this is in the works for some sort of angle and that juice is will be there. Because I, I believe last time um, the when the injury was announced, it seemed like he was actually in Japan. Or at least that that's what it was made, mm-hmm. made, made to seem to look like. So, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, we we saw obviously with uh, the whole Juice joining the Bullet Club thing that he's very committed to being able to do kind of, you know, long cons and, you know, pull off swerves and everything like that. Uh, And if this is one of those, cool, that's fine. Um, In terms of the title itself, uh, you know, I mean... Presumably that, presuming that he actually does legitimately have appendicitis, I don't know that we're necessarily concocting that out of whole cloth. Uh, you know, you'd have to imagine that the the title would have to go to someone else. I would presume. You think um, so? Because Juice is relatively fresh. Oh, he's very What's fresh. But I'm I'm just saying, if if there is recu- like he was intimating oh. the video, he was intimating the video that he hasn't yet had the surgery, but needs to. So mm. I guess the question is like, oh, can he go through with the match and get the surgery afterwards? Got but it. but you know, um, depending on what you want to be doing with Osprey uh, at Forbidden Door. Um, and the degree to which you want to kind of keep him, uh, kind of working within North America, you know, I think there's, um, you know, a lot of interesting matchups to be done there. And obviously, uh, I've really enjoyed the whole, you know, Osprey continuously having these like semi-controversial, semi, you know, fucked or split second finishes, uh, you know, where he now feels as though he has a legitimate gripe about uh, having, you know, being kept out of the title picture or having the title snaked away from him and everything. So, uh, you know, I'd be interested in either that story continuing on or uh, just giving the title to Osprey and then having him, uh, you know, go to Forbidden Door or maybe he's going to be in a mixed tag. I'm not sure, uh, you know, and, and do some more stuff uh, in North America with that belt. You know, theoretically, at least, you know, from what I remember, that is what this belt was initially supposed to be, right? This kind of, you know, um, bulwark or whatever for New Japan uh, in North America, which is kind of what I'm hoping that this whole Atlantic thing in AEW will be like if it's defended in New Japan or defended in other companies or, you know, people from other companies come in to challenge for it, that would give it some identity. But that's a whole other whole other kettle of fish, not to, not to move away from Dominion. And let's not forget Will Osprey himself coming off of a kidney infection injury that he's been having to take some time off off with. Of course, we saw him on Dynamite and saw that he was at least able to deliver a hidden blade um, and, you know, was seemingly able to travel across the world now having, you know, to go from uh, Dynamite over to Japan, of course. So we look to see what sort of shape he is in, in his return. I'm sure it will be nothing less than spectacular uh also on the card we have tamatanga versus uh machine gun carl anderson of course uh carl anderson was off of the uh, best of the super juniors finals after testing positive for covid um so that will be a match you know between two best friends you know former uh og bullet club members mm-hmm. and i think for me I'm, I'm quite interested in this one just to see what carl anderson under a new japan pro wrestling context in a singles capacity looks like because i mean arguably that was at least the in-ring peak of his career to many yeah absolutely i mean i've i've really enjoyed you know the face uh, run from tama i thought you know he had a really kind of a really good g1 showing uh this past year uh so you know he's a he's, i think he's a good person to be carrying the never right now um but yeah i'm very interested uh to see whether to be frank whether we're going to get good brother carl or whether we're getting machine gun you know carl uh and i think we'll be able to tell in this match 
And that match contested for the number open weight championship currently held by Tomatonga. Uh, this will be his first defense. Also, we have got the King of Pro Wrestling Championship. This one, I think everybody's been waiting on uh, with bated breath to know which stipulation that they will be going with. We outlined it for everybody on Post Daily News. Um, it will I, it will either be the 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble or Tai Chi's idea of only two finishers being used in order to um, get to a total accumulated pinfall of 10. And if it's confusing you, don't worry about it because we have an answer. Shingo Takagi's uh, idea of a 10-minute uh, unlimited pinfall scramble, say that 10 times, 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble has currently won with 55.5% of the vote. So basically, they get 10 minutes. Whoever, like every pinfall, every near fall counts, whoever gets the most at the end of 10 minutes wins the King of Pro Wrestling Championship. The previous match, uh, you know, I was... I, I, I was one of the people who was a little bit actually optimistic about that previous match. I thought, like, on paper, this could be pretty great. Uh, and it was, you know, it was uh, it was absolutely the best and most interesting thing that they've done with, with the King of Pro Wrestling. And I think it's smart uh, to have a rematch that sort of, you know, it's a slight variation on that theme. And obviously, I think, you know, uh, guys who are as hard-hitting but also as creative uh, as these two will be able to, you know, add some slightly different flavor to it while also keeping that same sort of, you know, frantic scoreboard counting uh intensity that that made the first match uh so interesting so you know as long as they kind of are able to keep the register and style of the king of pro wrestling matches in this sort of area rather than just all the you know um you know silliness uh i'll, I'll keep watching you know and and I'll, I'll keep being invested in them we also have the uh, tag titles being defended between the Great Khan and uh, uh, Jeff Cobb taking on Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. And also the ne- uh, Never Six Man Tag Team Championships are being defended by Suzuki Goon, consisting of uh, Desperado, Kanamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Or, sorry, uh, challenging for uh, the championships against champions, the House of Darkness, Evil Show, and uh, Yudro, the, the good-looking Yudro himself. But... I know everybody's main event, okay? At least on this side of the pond. The real reason people will be tuning into New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion on Sunday morning, we will find out who advances in the AEW Interim Championship Eliminator Tournament. Hiroshi Tanahashi or everybody's dark horse favorite. The betting lines are going crazy right now. Can he you know, pull the upset? And going to face John Moxley at Forbidden Door, Hiroki Goto. Do you have a pick, Bruce? Oh, the the, the G in Goto stands for going to the U.S. this time. Way no, uh, uh, you know, even more so than than the Jay White uh, situation. You know, this is a this is such a lame duck match. Unfortunately, we already had. You know, the, Tanahashi walked out, walked out onto an AEW stage. You know, we know, like I said before, you know, everybody knows uh, that that he he's always received wonderfully uh, within the United States. And that's not to say that there isn't the possibility of, you know, uh, Goto having, you know, a cool match on Forbidden Door. You throw Goto in there with Eddie Kingston and, you know, yeah, absolutely. Take my money. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we know what's happening here. It'll be a good match, uh, but, you know, we know what's going on. Uh, so that is uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. I believe John and I will be speaking about it on Monday, so uh, do tune in then for some of We're our We're not even going to mention the, the, the Gallows versus Yano match. Well, we can go through the... Hey, <laughs> no, 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 I have, I have no We takes. can go through every single match on this card <laughs> if you really wanted to, but there no, was no, a no, lot no, of it. Uh, 
and I will save the audience from uh, yeah. our dissection of Yano versus uh, Doc Gallows here. Because uh, we need time, John. Uh, or sorry, I keep, I'm so used to John on the other end. But we need time to talk about NWA's latest pay-per-view that is coming up this weekend. NWA Always Ready. Now, I'm not been keeping up uh, with new, uh, NWA at all, but you have, Bruce. So this will be a great opportunity for maybe you to speak about some of your highlights uh, that you're looking forward to on this show. Well, to be frank, uh, you know, if we, if we talk about highlights, this was looking to essentially be kind of, uh, until fairly recently, you know, a kind of a, a one match, uh, card, you know, down to obviously, you know, his, his face being on the poster and even down to the color coding and the font and everything all entirely being ordered around, uh, you know, Matt Cardona's run, uh, as, you know, NWA heavyweight champion. Um, like a lot of people, I have been, uh, interested in, you know, Cardona's current incarnation, you know, the fact that he is able to sort of play kind of the same character within the NWA as he has been in GCW and still come across to very, to two very, very different audiences and two very different styles of pro wrestling as the same sort of hateable heel champion, you know, I think is a testament to how he's been able to uh, reinvent himself. Of course, the problem here is that everything has been building up to uh, a rematch between Cardona uh, and former champion Nick Aldis. This is kind of this has been the the, the A one storyline on NWA television for months. To almost to kind of a you know to to make a WWE comparison to almost like a Roman Reigns type level of the exclusion of everything else. Uh, so when you know we now have. Um, Cardona having a, a bicep injury and having to have surgery on that, um, you know, it really has thrown this whole card uh, kind of into disarray. Uh, basically, it, for reading the tea leaves here, they are continuing to say that, you know, Cardona will be at the event. He will be present there. Uh, they are not saying that he is going to actually compete or be in a match. So I'm assuming we're going to have some sort of either postponement of the match, some sort of angle, maybe, you know, having him relinquish the title, whatever it might be. But really, the entirety of, of this show has been built around that one match, which, you know, obviously isn't happening. Uh, you know, I'm someone who will occasionally, you know, like once a month, basically just binge and catch up with uh, all of the NWA programming. And I'm entirely caught up uh, to the point that, you know, uh, through Fight, I've seen the episode of Power that still I don't think will be airing on YouTube until later this evening. And to be frank, a lot of the matches that are technically on uh, Always Ready are coming in entirely cold. They're not matches that have been pointed to or built towards uh, on television with a couple of exceptions. Um, this is kind of a product of the taping schedule that the NWA runs of, you know, kind of shooting two, three, sometimes even four weeks uh, away from a, uh, from a pay-per-view and then having to sort of with, with whatever they have booked there or whatever they have filmed there, you know, point towards um, the larger card uh, to the point that, you know, in watching these last couple of shows, like as they aired, some matches were just coming in on the Chiron, literally kind of like correcting or amending the commentary that is happening live. Like, oh yeah, we've mm -hmm. confirmed that match is happening or no, this match is actually this other match that's going to be happening now. Um, so, you know, like, again, I I'm somebody who, you know, can kind of enjoy and appreciate uh, the, the tone that NWA goes for. It's, it's, you know, by no means my, my favorite or ideal form uh, of wrestling, but it is something that is, you know, somewhat unique. Uh, but, you know, looking down the rest of the card, a lot of it is kind of, you know, uh, has just sort of been announced on paper. And, you know, we're going to see uh, what it happens to be. Uh, I don't know, Aaron Stevens versus Trevor Murdoch. 
uh, homicide versus PJ Hawks for the for the junior heavyweight, the Fixers versus the Mortons. Uh, apparently, we're getting Sam Shaw uh, making a you know a post release appearance uh, in 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 in, in the NWA. Um, uh, Tayo Valkyrie is going to be showing up to fight uh, Natalia Markova. Um, you know, a, a couple of these things could be somewhat interesting uh, for the dedicated NWA viewer. But, you know, I think the issue is that, you know, just with the way their their TV is structured and the fact that the main event has been lost, a lot of it feels just to, to somebody who, again, puts the time into actually watching the product still does feel kind of thrown together at the last minute. Yeah, rather unfortunate. And I mean, if they're going to be charging people for for the show without a proper main event really being out there, I mean, you have to think that they're they they must have a make good that you know will will be able to justify that. Um, I have to think they're sort of relying on the whole like fight subscription plan right now rather than a lot of individual buys you know i'm one of those people who's like sure fine 50 bucks a year fine i'll, I'll go for it but there is the way in which and you know we certainly saw this you know with uh with the wwe network there is the way that that can often kind of diminish your secondary or tertiary pay-per-views right they, they don't necessarily become appointment viewing mm-hmm. uh so that is nwa always ready that is taking place saturday evening here uh along with the ufc 275 john just did a preview of that last night and i believe uh eric and phil will be here uh on the youtube to uh, go through that right after the event ends but that's not all we're getting this weekend because the weekend starts tonight with wwe smackdown and AEW rampage uh actually quite a few things announced for smackdown compared to, to usual here we have ricochet versus gunther for the Intercontinental Championship, Bruce Lord, do we see Gunther's first WWE main roster championship win? I, I think you have to at this point. I mean, the the whole Roman situation that you know you guys have, have talked about uh, just really puts the diminishment uh, of the secondary titles in WWE into sharp relief. I mean, the whole you know it's it's a it's a complete cliche at this point you know oh why don't you elevate the ic title or whatever it might be uh you know and and we know we know it's because there's no interest in doing that there hasn't been interest in doing that for the past 10 or 15 years but with the roman situation now and him kind of being in the catbird seat in terms of being able to to kind of pick and choose where your double champion is going to appear if they want to, if they actually want to actually try to rehabilitate uh, this title, I don't think there's anybody better to do that uh, than Gunter. You know, I mean, look, we all love Ricochet to death, but, you know, he's he's in a sense, he's the perfect IC champion because he's, you know, he, he he's not presented with any degree of credibility. He isn't a threat. He doesn't show up on pay-per-views. And yet he's theoretically, you're now second in line champion within that company. Uh, so yeah, so, you know, sure. Let's, let's strap up Gunter. Uh, let's start, you know, putting him in, giving him some squash matches, start giving him some actually compelling matches uh, with other large dudes and see uh, if while Roman is away, you can build some sort of interest uh, there. So you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I want to be clear about that. I don't think they're going to do that uh, with, with a Gunter title reign. But, you know, there's the chance to do it if they want. You know, what what they might have going for them this time is the fact that they are going to be potentially putting this belt on somebody who is a large man. And I think, you know, somebody like a, a large man in Vince McMahon's WWE always stands a better chance of being booked better than um, Ricochet, unfortunately. Um, that is unless you're, you can also dance, then, you know, you're going to be booked to dance as well. Like Shanky is. Maybe, so we'll, you know, he can do the, he can do the waltz to the, like to the, to all the, you know, the classical pieces waltzer. that you can use to come out with. Waltz. Waltzer. That's the new, waltzing Walter. Oh the God. new gimmick. Yeah. Oh, poor bastard. 
Uh, we also have uh, uh, I got it. Somebody's got to fill in for John uh, in that department here on these <laughs> shows. Uh, we also have Money in the Bank qualifying matches here with Drew McIntyre taking on Sheamus in our first of two. Also, on the other end, the long-awaited in-ring return of Lacey Evans as she takes on in the in another even longer-awaited in-ring return of Zia Lee here. Uh, these two taking each other on in a money and bank qualifying match. Um, for all signs, I think, likely point to Lacey Evans. But I think we'll finally maybe get some clarity on who might be heel, who might be babyface in both of their situations. I mean, the, the Lacey story has just been – it's one of those – the Lacey story is exactly why I continue to listen to you and John and other folks who – watch main roster WWE product, even though I don't, because these sorts of confusing questions and just absolute disasters in terms of presentation are fascinating, fascinating from the outside. Uh, so, and there is that part of me that will just be kind of, you know, not going to watch it, but is going to be just, you know, eating popcorn and listening uh, to how this actually shakes out in terms of how they are going to present uh, this woman, whether they are going to continue uh, to steer into you know, the, you know, the very real world and very traumatic, uh, you know, experiences that she's been referring to in the past, and then trying to get a sense of how that does or does not connect to a pro wrestling character, which is, the whole thing has been so, so confusing, but also fascinating in exactly the sort of way uh, that, you know, I do still find, you know, main roster uh, WWE intriguing. Also, Max Dupree is about to bring in some of his first clients to Maximum Male Models. Could it be Mansoor? Could it be Mace? Could it be uh, name Brock Lesnar? If, yeah. if, if there's one thing that this company lacks for way, it's like mid-level comedy. You know, there's just not enough of that. There's not enough of that on, on WWE television right now. So I'm really glad to see they're, they're addressing a needed deficit uh, in, their, in their booking here. Over on AEW Rampage, again, 10 o'clock start without uh, hockey tonight. We have Will Ospreay making his in-ring debut in AEW. Uh, the man's going to have a pretty be- busy evening, you know, wrestling here and then all of a sudden just flying over to uh, – uh, now, this is a taped edition of Rampage, everybody. But we have Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open from the United Empire taking on FTR and Trent Beretta. That looks to be uh, at least, you know, um, one of the headlining boats tonight. We also have Jake Hager versus Eddie Kingston. Red Velvet versus Chris Statlander. We hear from Hook and Danhausen. And we also see the debut of Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal in action. So, uh yeah, what are you looking forward to the most tonight? Um, I think I'm really interested. I haven't read spoilers or anything like that or even seen anything about you know crowd reactions. Uh, I think Aussie Open uh, are a team who are kind of very much in the position that Takeshita was a couple of years ago, or excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in that they are you know a very, very uh, you know seasoned, but also very like, I think kind of American TV uh, adjusted uh, team who will get over very well uh, with a North American audience who maybe hasn't seen them before. So I'm interested to see uh, if they sort of, you know, take some people by surprise uh, and, and make an impression there. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's Will Ospreay. I don't think we need to go into too much detail about that. Um, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, the, the Hagar match itself doesn't really interest me. I'm really interested to see if we get a sense as to whether or not uh, Kingston will have a New Japan opponent. 
uh, at Forbidden Door, right? Obviously, through things like, you know, the long and winding Royal Road and, and everywhere else, uh, we all know uh, the, the reverence with which, uh, you know, Kingston holds various, you know, uh, traditions of, of Japanese wrestling. Uh, you know, his, his match with Ishii uh, that, that he had recently, you know, it was, was very enjoyable. So I'm kind of keen to see uh, who his dance partner might be there. Uh, I like the story of, you know, this kind of like newer, darker, rebuilt, bigger, improved Statlander uh, kind of working her way through the baddies, uh, you know, ultimately heading towards Jade. Uh, I think if you do that correctly, you could have one of the first real kind of, I think, credible people uh, who might possibly, uh, you know, up defeat Jade. Um, you know, I, I don't know if necessarily the timing is right to do that now, given how uh, still fresh the baddies angle and stable is, uh, and obviously adding Stokely into the mix. I don't know if you'd want to defeat Jade, but one way or the other, uh, you know, Statlander and Jade is a program I'm interested in. Uh, and yeah, we're all we're all going to see uh, what the situation is um, with with, uh, with with Jay Lethal's giant. And, uh, you know, the rubber has to hit the road at some point. So, uh, you know, in, in a tag match. Probably a little bit safer than the singles, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure how this will go. I want to thank Tom in the chat room here, alerting us that game four of the NBA finals between the Warriors and the Celtics takes place tonight, 9 p.m. start. So it will go up right against the second hour of SmackDown, as well as the entirety of Rampage. So look, look for that to take a big chunk out of the uh, audience for both of those shows. Uh, And. Uh, speaking of contributions from the post wrestling uh, live chat here, thank you everybody who sent in a super chat. And we start off here with Camille Waters, who simply sends one pound just to send some support. Thank you so much, Camille. Uh, you don't even have a message, so uh, we're just going to give you a bit of a shout out and thank you for that support. Aaron Bowman sends in $10 and he wants to say, Mint is a savant. He turned his company into a poor man's Disney World. My grandkids will be on. The Last Ride Roller Coaster in the WWE Universe Amusement Park 2040. Timestamp it. Wow. I mean, we've seen Nick Khan, you know, sort of making these sorts of comparisons, right? That this is the sort of, uh, you know, version of the WWE that he imagines, you know, a, uh, you know, the, the Marvel-esque uh universe in which you barely even need the actual physical wrestlers uh, anymore and you don't need you know as Vince famously said you know one of these days we're going to get rid of that damn ring uh you know it's 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 obviously a vision that uh of Nick's that is simpatico uh with Vince's so you know yeah <laughs> the last I mean you know Canadians at least in in the Toronto area know of the pile driver uh the, the famed pile driver that used to uh, be president at Niagara Falls mm-hmm. um Never got on it. I don't think I ever would have. I'm not. I don't trust a WWE amusement park ride. But uh, I mean, it's, it's going back to the Carney roots. You know, as much as Vince is, you know, Vince is tra- talking about getting away from the whole, like, you know, Carney background. But ultimately, we're just coming back to theme parks. You know, it all, circle. it all, you know, yeah. That is it. Uh, Aaron Bowman also sends two dollars to say, "Cody, I hate mi- admitting is can't miss right now." Uh, would certainly agree, Aaron. Mm-hmm. This has honestly been a fantastic move for his career. Some people are just better suited, you know, to, to the WWE, right? You know, we, we, I think, you know, the, the Cody run in AEW obviously was great and exciting and completely rebooted and rebuilt him and, you know, the Dustin match and loads of great TNT matches and everything. But we sort of saw how, you know, things were beginning to turn a, a little bit towards the end in terms of his own vision for his character, the sort of stories that he wanted to work with and how the audience saw him. So, you know, as much as I am somebody who definitely prefers AEW's in-ring product uh, and general, you know, approach to wrestling storytelling uh, to the WWE's. Some people just fit there. 
and he will fit in AEW when the time is right as well. You <laughs> yeah. know, like the, the the ability to bounce back and forth is really the the entire appeal of having competition. So to see somebody take advantage of it and do it so successfully, only a few months in, I think is very encouraging for the industry and everybody who's looking for a job. Right? That's what makes you know people like Flair and people like Jericho. That's why they're still household names. Yeah. And finally, we got a Jake from the Windy City. Thank you, as always, Jake, for the support. He sends in 225 to just to simply let us know that Cody and Seth received five stars in this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter from Dave Meltzer. I agree. He says, do you agree, Bruce? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the sort of match I think that, you know, again, if we're talking about, you know, kind of the house style of the WWE. This is a case where, again, as we were talking about before, the real world circumstances ended up completely dovetailing perfectly with the type and sort of story uh, and type of match even, you know, that uh, that Cody and Seth were poised to deliver. You know, uh, Cody did not need to have some sort of, you know, a, a Bret Hart technical masterpiece or, you know, like, a, you know, a, a strong style slugfest or whatever it might be that, you know, the injury might have, you know, kept him from being able to do, you know, if we're grading, you know, I mean, we can get into a whole angels on the head of a pin hair splitting discussion about what star ratings are, or what they should be. But I'm one of those people who believes that they should at least be taken in the context of what type of storytelling, what type of match this one company or this one wrestler uh, is invested in and interested in. And by the criterias, uh, you know, of, of a WWE main event, by the criterias of Cody and Seth's respective wrestling styles. Yeah. What else could you ask for? And I believe um, Anarchy in the Arena also received, you know, five stars. So I believe just kind of to, yeah. to that point, you know, there the, you the wildly different matches um, with completely diff- different sets of, I think, um, maybe, you know, technical, um, maybe grading um, gradings. And but ultimately what matters is how invested was the audience, you know, in it. And for both of those cases, it was uh, very, very high. So thank you very much for that note, Jake. And uh, before we get out of here, Bruce. You are awesome on these shows, but this is not the only show that you do on the Post Wrestling Network. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, Myself uh, and my pal David Myers uh, regularly put out episodes of Postmarks, generally about once a month, uh, in which we speak with various members uh, of the post wrestling community about their own wrestling fandoms, about their own histories uh, with this, you know, sport that we all love so much. Uh, And yeah, coming out tomorrow, we have our new episode featuring Brian Strelekis, you know, who's a familiar voice to anybody uh, who listens to the Friday night post shows. We talked with him uh, about how his interests and tastes in wrestling uh, have changed and evolved over a pretty lengthy period of time and across multiple uh, genres, styles, uh, and promotions. And he was able to share with us some pretty cool memories uh, from, you know, some very notable matches and notable shows uh, that he was able to see live uh, in the Northeast. So uh, again, that'll be out on the Patreon, uh, the post-Patreon feed, but is freely available for everyone, uh, even non-patrons to listen to. That is correct. Yeah, you can download it by going to postwrestlingcafe.com or simply follow our social media at Post Wrestling. We will send links. That's set to, I think, debut at about like 12 uh, Eastern time on Saturday afternoon, but it is available for everybody to listen to. So uh, you and David are tremendous interviewers, and I've I've really enjoyed every single one of these podcasts that you guys have done. Uh, last episode, uh, speaking with Karen Peterson, who is in the chat room. Hello, Karen. There right now. Uh, always really interesting stuff that you know you you guys managed to pull from 
I think very relatable stories of like mm. people's, you know, uh, fandoms of professional wrestling, how they encounter communities like these ones. So um, I, it's a very, they're often like, you know, just kind of like nice little um, in, in some cases, like very uh, heart wrenching conversations, but also comforting situations to know mm. how similar we all ultimately all are. Yeah. Uh, and that is it for me. I will be back tonight with John Pollock for Rewind of SmackDown, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern time in the Post Wrestling Cafe, available to all patrons. And uh, uh, you can catch all of our coverage on the website as well as uh, uh, on the podcast feed and the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. And that is all. I'm, I'm out of words. Goodbye. <laughs>